Um, as a lot of you would know, I, uh, and I have in common with a lot of you too, I think, uh, I grew up as an Anglican. And so uh, every week we recited the, the Nicene Creed. And uh, whatever you may think of um, repetition and, and liturgy and all those things, it did have the effect on me that I always remembered that Jesus is coming back. Um, the, the line from the Nicene Creed, the relevant one, is that he shall come again to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. And uh, you, know, I, you know, I can look around and see all those who, who were brought up in the same tradition that, that they all remember it. Um, and, and I actually remember it, it, when, when I was uh, a teenager and I thought it was pretty cool to, to say that I was an atheist and, and that there was no God, uh, I actually can still remember times from that period where, where usually during a, a, a big thunderstorm or something where I, I thought to myself, gee, what would happen if Jesus came back now? You know, what would happen to me? Uh, so, so obviously it was deeply ingrained in with me, within me. Um, the return of the Lord Jesus is, a, is obviously a central doctrine of the church and has been since the very, very beginning of, of uh, the Christian church. It, it's always been important uh, uh, and, uh, and, and has a central place, which is a good thing. It, it's... it's it's so important that it's hard to think of anything that is actually, you know, if someone was to deny that Jesus is coming back, that would be right up there with denying that Jesus rose from the dead. Um, it's, it's that important. It's interesting, though, that, uh, that throughout history, throughout the history of the Christian church, people have, uh, preachers have managed to gather around them groups. If you want to start a new religion a new branch of Christianity, what you have to do is say that you know when Jesus is coming back um, because you will get some followers. Uh, you, you know, it's been like that ever since the, the beginning. Uh, there's always been people who've claimed to know when Jesus is coming back and they always gather a group of followers around them because people are, people are very interested in this, of course. And probably in the, in the last 150 years, the most famous one was, it was uh, Charles Russell, Charles Taze Russell, the founder of the Jehovah's Witnesses, he, uh, he predicted the end was coming in 1878 uh, and uh, of course when it didn't happen he, uh, he, he, he said well I need to go back and re-examine the, the writings because he'd, he'd claimed to have found this in the Bible and, and in, uh, in ancient Jewish writings uh, and he said oh yeah well I, I realise now that I was three years out it was actually 1881 uh, of course that came and went and nothing happened and then Charles Russell died but his followers hadn't learned the lesson because they then came up with 1914 as being the year that, that Jesus was definitely coming back this time um, and as, well, as the clouds of World War I gathered they perhaps thought that maybe they, there was something in this but then that came and went also so then it was moved to 1918 and then, then after that to 1925 and that, that, that was a one that marked a bit of a change in the JWs because after that one they said well uh, Jesus actually did come back in 1925 but we're just going to have to be patient and wait to see the effects of it. Um, you know it didn't really, doesn't really sound like what's in the scripture about the, the, as the lightning lights up the sky from east to west so, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Um, so, but they, they, 
they kind of learnt their lesson a bit because there was no more predictions of the end until, uh, until 1975, 50 years later. And I actually, this one's within my memory, I remember this happening. And a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses sold their properties, cashed in their life insurance, gave it all away. Not necessarily a bad thing to do, I suppose, but, but it didn't happen. And they built a mansion for him, for Jesus to return to in, in Los Angeles. Now, I'm not sure what happened to that, but anyway, they've, they've since they do seem to have learned their lesson since and they've, they've stopped doing it. But all their, their followers, of course, the new followers that come along, they're not told all this stuff, so they, they're just blissfully unaware of the, the, the history of their so-called um, Christian religion. Um, you know, it was always reinterpreted um, as saying, well, this was just a likely date, not even though it was a definite date when it was done. Um, mind you, the JWs don't have a monopoly on this. We, uh, uh, in our modern time, with, we, we see all these, these prophets of doom, like Greta Thunberg and... Um, uh, you know what's his name? Uh, Al Gore and uh, and you know Tim Flannery, our own Tim Flannery, who back I remember him saying back in uh, 2008, I think it was that the River Murray would never flood again. Um, it's kind of not looking that great at the moment that that prophecy. But, but there's all these people at the moment saying, like for the last 30 years, the United Nations have have regularly said that if we don't do something about climate change immediately, well that's it. We we're all going to be doomed, but, and yet it keeps getting repeated and repeated and it doesn't happen. Um, and uh, yeah, we've been told that the world would lose its ability to produce crops and here we are reaping the, the biggest harvest that anyone's ever seen. And um, Look, I'm not trying to speak against uh, good science. You know, they, they, if, if, if there's some issue with the, the climate that we need to deal with, well, let's deal with it, not keep telling everybody that you're all about to die. The, the, world, the world is under God's control not the United Nations. Um, anyway, concerning that hour, that day, that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So why do we do it? Why are we so interested in coming up with a date like when Jesus would, will return? I mean, so not, not just the Watchtower Society, it's even those of us who with a more uh, biblical view of things, um, we... We, uh, you know, I can remember at the end of the turn of the century, the last century, with people saying, well, you know, we're not predicting a date, but this might be it, this might be it. Or even at the end of every decade, that sort of, sort of thing seems to happen. But the, this is all denying the really important thing. Although, although we, we don't know when our Lord ret will return, what we do know with certainty is that he will return because he has told us that he's going to. Um, and so what, what should we do then? Well, verse uh, 44, you must be ready. That, that's pretty much the condensation of this whole message. We don't know when he will return, but we do know that he's coming because he said so. Well, let's do what Jesus did here in this reading and go back to Genesis chapter 6. Because that, that's what Jesus did. As were the days of Noah, so will be the days, the coming of the Son of Man. The flood in Noah's time was a, a cataclysmic, world-altering event. Uh, and the story of how Noah and his family and the animals 
survived uh, the flood is surely one of the greatest adventure stories of all time. And yet it has been reduced to a, a storybook thing for two-year-olds with a, an ark that looks like a bathtub with a, the inevitable giraffe with its head sticking out the top. Um, but the real Noah spent five months in his boat with his family and the animals and it, it, it was a massive boat. It was more of a box, really. The word ark just means box. Uh, so it was that sort of shape, probably. Uh, it's still, still today the world's biggest wooden boat. No one's ever built one as big as that, 450 foot long. Um, outside the ark, everything that breathed light, breathed air and lived on land perished. Everything. It's hard for, him, for us to imagine that Noah and his, his family and the animals, uh, you know, what they must have gone through. It, it, the, the, it must have been very violent storms and all those sort of things for the, for the world to have been so um, altered and completely destroyed. The book, of, um, the book of Hebrews tells us that Noah was a man who trusted God. And, and he showed it by his actions. He lived it out. God told him there was a, a flood coming and it wasn't just an ord some ordinary flood either. I mean, if it was just a local flood, as some people have tried to say, well, then God would have said, well, just go up that hill over there, you'll be right. And why save all the animals? Because they would have survived somewhere else anyway. Noah trusted God and he set to work to build the ark. And it may have taken him 120 years, the... That the, the verse in, uh, in chapter 6, verse 3, I think it is, of Genesis that, that says man's days, I will not contend with man forever, but his days will be 120 years. That may mean that that was uh, the time from when Noah was told to build the ark up until, up until the flood. But what a massive undertaking. It may have, it, it, as I say, it, it took many, many years. Uh, but when the time came, Noah was ready. And what must others have thought of him as he laboured to build this massive vessel? Probably nowhere near the sea. You know, he might have been 100 miles from the sea. No doubt some, a lot of them thought it was a joke. I mean, that's what we would think now, wouldn't we? Noah may have employed some of them even to cut the timbers and, and help him build and to gather the tar to, to coat the outside. What did they think of him? Peter calls him a preacher of righteousness. But what did they think of that? Some guy telling them how they should live. Well, they probably laughed at him. They, some of them, they probably scoffed. And we know, they probably said, we know that all things continue as they have from the beginning. So why will this year be any different? And we know that none of them listened to him because there were none of them in the boat with him. None of them built their own boat. The thing they all had in common was that the flood came and swept them all away. The rich, the poor, the jokers, the scoffers, those who had no time for him, right through to those who perhaps spoke of him as a kindly old but senile man, harmless. They all perished in the flood. Young, old, those with education, those who were illiterate, all gone. No exceptions. 
we can draw similarities with our own time. What apathy must have prevailed. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage right up until the day that it started to rain and the flood came and extinguished all life. Be careful, O oh my soul. There are lessons here for us in Christ. Just as everyone outside the ark were lost, so everyone inside the ark was safe. There was no halfway between. There was no one clinging to the outside, no one floating on a log. Those in the ark were being preserved by God. They, they were just as safe there as they had been before the flood. You know, the, uh, the old-fashioned old church buildings, um, the one I grew up in down the road here, if you looked up into the roof, it looked like the bottom of a boat. And that was quite intentional. That they did that on purpose because the church was seen as similar to the ark. It was, it was the place where the people of God were kept safe, those that belonged in the church. And the, in fact, the, the bit that the people sit in in the old church was always called the nave from the uh, Latin word um, which, from which we get navy. Uh, it means boat. So those who are in Christ, those in the boat, are kept safe. We, we are in the ark. We are in the church. And Jesus watches over his church. His people are not there be, because of their, their goodness, their righteousness, but because of his goodness, his righteousness. You know, after the flood in, uh, in chapter 8 of Genesis, God was talking about the people that, that had survived and he said the intention of man's heart is evil, even from his youth. This is, this is, from, this is after the flood. The only people alive then were Noah and his family. So Jesus used Noah and the flood as a parallel to his own return and the end of all things. He said that just like before the flood, life will go on pretty much the same as it always has for both the saved and the unsaved. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one left. Two women grinding at the mill, one taken, one left. Nothing unusual. It's just life going on as normal. So the point is that there will be nothing particularly strange about that time until Jesus returns, suddenly, suddenly. And then it will be like Noah when he went into the ark and God shut the door behind him. It will be too late. You know, the parable of the rich man and, and Lazarus. So, you know, we tend to think, well, it's not fair, God. You need to do something more to warn people. But Jesus said they have the, they have the Moses and the prophets to warn them. We have the Bible to warn us. And the rich man said, well, yes, but if someone rises from the dead and goes back, they'll believe. But no, they didn't. But for now, the doors of heaven are open and entry is by trusting in Jesus. 
There are multitudes trying to enter by another way, by claiming our own goodness, saying, well, you know, I've lived a pretty good life, I've, I've done everything I've thought that I should do, and God will just have to take me as I am. We hear that a lot. But anyone trying to get in like that will be found wanting. At some time in the future, it might be this afternoon or it might be a thousand years' time or more, at some time the doors to heaven will be shut and it will be too late. Friends, if you don't trust in Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, if you don't, if you don't trust him to save you, do it now. Before you leave here today, you don't know when that hour will be. This may be your last chance. And all who come to him, he's promised that he will never turn away. You, you don't want to be caught outside after the door is shut. You know what happened to those outside the ark. It'll be even worse for those who find themselves shut out of heaven. Now, I'm lucky enough, I'm, I'm very blessed to work. Um, my boss is a, a godly man. And uh, Joe said to me the other day, is it, is it wrong for me to, to want Jesus to return for, all the, for selfish reasons? What he meant was, you know, things were getting him down a bit and he just thought, well, if Jesus came back now, this would solve all my problems. Um, and I said, well, I don't, I don't think it's wrong. It's never wrong to look forward to Jesus' return for whatever reason. But, but we talked about, uh, because we'd been reading the book of Romans, and uh, in chapter 8, Paul says that the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. So God has made this world frustrating. It, you know, we see so many good things in this world. There's a lot, so, so much good. But somehow it's never just quite right, is it? You know, we, throughout my, my Christian walk, I've, I've met people and, I've, and often I'm, it's just my nature to do so, but I, I'll attach myself to one person and think, wow, I've finally met this guy who's got it all together. This is, the, this is a really godly man. This is, the, this, this, this is what I aspire to be. This is, this is the real thing. This is a Christian. But then they always disappoint me. In the end, they always disappoint me. And no matter, no matter who you meet, you will find the same. There's only one who will not disappoint you. Um, and that is the Lord Jesus. God has made this creation very lovely, but we are not meant to be here. We are citizens of heaven, not citizens here. We're, we're foreigners and strangers. We're exiles in this world. And God has done that on purpose so that we will, we will look forward to what is coming. If this was so great, why would we, why would we be hanging out for heaven? Why would we be looking forward to it? But God has made this world to cause us to cry out to him like my boss did and say, Lord Jesus, come back. Come, Lord Jesus. The last words of the Bible, come, Lord Jesus.
Amen.